for the last few years, I've really wanted to find a way to bridge that gap between creative and business. And so Fusion Creative was born. And we are a, for lack of a better word, we're a brand amplification agency. We help small businesses, entrepreneurs with everything from content creation, because, you know, I'm a photographer, videography, but we also do the full suite of digital marketing from SEO to blogging to paid advertising to website dev, all the things. So that's what Fusion Creative is. This is the Photo Business Help Podcast, a resource for photographers of all levels from brand new to burnt out who believe that business growth starts with personal growth. I'm your host, Natalie Jennings. I created Jennings Photo back in 2010 and have been happily full-time since, but not without some mistakes along the way. Those lessons, plus what's really helped me thrive financially and personally are what I want to share with you so you can grow with your photo business too. You'll also hear stories from other photographers and industry folks, as well as my favorite ways to be more mindful and happier on this journey. My conversation with Devo today is one that you don't want to miss. It is so fun. We talked about all kinds of stuff from Bill Cosby to tarot to ice fishing and, of course, brands and holistic branding and the importance of how that plays into the success of your photography business. This is a huge piece for sustainable growth in your business. We kind of snuck it in there in the middle of a really fun conversation. So if you're into really fun conversations, take a listen to today's interview with Devo Tyndall. So are you one of those folks that say, ugh, I'm not blogging in my business because it takes so long and I don't know what to say and it's hard to choose photos and it's just a long process and I know I should do it, but I don't. Well, I've been there before, but one of the things that completely changed this game for me is when PickTime rolled out their blog feature early spring in February 2023. It not only allows you to create super, super beautiful blog posts, but you can do it so, so, so fast working with galleries that you've already uploaded for clients. So there isn't any doubling down on anything. And now they've added AI to this process as well. So you may have your feelings about AI, but if you're one of those people that's like, ugh, I don't know what to say, then let AI write something for you. And then you can add your own little voice and flair to it after it's done. It's a way to get things started. It's a way to help you get past that resistance of trying to get a blog post out or maybe multiple blog posts out. It's just one more feature in PickTime's bajillion amazing features that I think is fabulous. So if you're on the fence about trying PickTime, they are offering you one month free when you upgrade to a paid plan. So you can just try it. And if you find that you don't like any of these awesome features that I always talk about, you can cancel. If you go to pick-time.com, P-I-C-T-I-M-E.com and use the code PHOTOBIZHELP, you get that one month free when you upgrade to a paid plan. So that's pick-time.com, use the code PHOTOBIZHELP and try that one month free and get going on your blog because yes, it's still a relevant thing and it's something that's useful in growing your photo business. Hey photographers, tired of staring at a blank screen when writing emails? 17 Hats has introduced a game-changing AI email writing feature called Hattie. Now, with just the click of a button, you can create polished professional emails. So whether you're responding to leads or building templates, Hattie will elevate your communication game with the power of AI. It's just one more way 17 Hats helps you manage your business better. So go try 17 Hats for seven days for free and use code PHOTOBIZHELP for 50% off your first year. That's up to a $300 savings. Check it out at 17hats.com. Use code PHOTOBIZHELP. So what brought you out to North Carolina? South Carolina. You said Charlotte. Wait, North huge, Carolina. Huge, huge difference. If, <laughs> I know my geography. Yeah, yeah. But if you're from North Carolina and you and people like they take it very seriously, it's like football and God down here. If you uh, be like, wait, for you're from people, I'm not from South Carolina, I'm from North Carolina. Like they're maximally different. Totally get it. I've been there. I know where it is. I promise. I just I get it. But I would be annoyed too. It's like Minneapolis and St. Paul. People are like, no, there's a difference. I've been to Minneapolis. A couple of times, I have a friend I went to high school with who lives up there now, and I really love your city. Yeah, both of them are cool. 
It's not as cold as I thought it would be. When did you visit? Like in the wintertime. I didn't find it to be anything heinous. You know, I will agree with you in that it's pretty reasonable except for January, February. So like January, February, you get these weeks that'll go sub-zero and you're like, what am I supposed to do right now? It's like negative 10. But you only get a, when you add up all those days, it's not as bad. It usually stays in the teens and 20s most of the winter. But like through the holiday, like December and then into March, it gets, you know, like back up into the the freezing temps. But it's not like, it's not Arctic all winter. I think people have a conception that it's like zero from like December until April. And it's it's not that bad. There's some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff. Like the lakes freezing over is my favorite because you get all that real estate to play on. I'm unfunctionable in that kind of weather, but <laughs> most people are. I do know about your frozen lakes because the first time I had ever been there, he picked me up at nighttime. It was an air flew in, you know, maybe like nine or ten o'clock at night. I don't know, maybe it was earlier. Just, I just remember it being really, really dark. So, but you guys lose could your have been sunlight. Four. <laughs> yeah, you guys lose your sunlight at like one in the afternoon. I'm like, yeah, dude, where's the sun? Have... Are we in Alaska right now? But we were driving. It could have been four. Yeah, wherever he lived, we had to drive through a long stretch of a highway. And I remember just sort of looking off to my right and seeing all these flickering lights out in the distance. And I didn't know where they were, but they're like people setting up on the ice doing fishing. They're like RVs on the ice. And then I didn't know what he explained to me what they were. And then sure enough, we had the TV on at some point later that night. And there was like literally commercials for ice fishing RVs. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I've never seen anything like this before. It's a whole new world in parts of Minnesota. I mean, obviously, if you live in the city, a lot of people don't really get super into it. But everyone, I think, that's from here or has spent enough time here has no, understands that there's a whole winter culture for sure. My dad has a really funny story about picking up a buddy of his years ago from the airport. And there used to be a shortcut. There still is. But they, they'll plow a couple of roads on some of the bigger lakes here. So you can actually, like, jump onto the lake. And it's like a shortcut home for us at least where we live. So my dad loved that couple of months a year where he like got to save 15 minutes on his commute. But his buddy was like, you know, they were on the road and then all of a sudden it was just pitch black and there was no, no road lights, no nothing. And his, his friends like, where are we? And my dad's like, Oh, we're just going across the lake. And I, apparently his friend just lost it. And so he had to turn around cause it's just like that human or that animalistic panic set in like he didn't um, like he's like we can't be on the ice we can't be on it you know that kind of thing so I don't know some people it's it's hard to get that block like the mind block of actually being on on the water I'm thinking of the Game of Thrones when they're wash, walking across with all the the scene in the ice you know what I'm talking about okay so this is a funny thing I've read all of the books <clears throat> which are massive but I have not seen the show except for a couple episodes. Well, that's funny because I've read all the books, but I've only seen season, whatever the season is, where they were walking on the ice. And that's the only episode that I've actually seen. So I've started at my daughter is like, Dad, you've got to watch the show. So I've slowly, but I don't have much time to watch TV. So I slowly like. It's like a winter activity. Yeah. Like I'll watch eight minutes here. I'm like, nah, I got to move on to something else. I'll watch six minutes there. So I'm in, I'm now beginning from season one, but I've seen a total of 14 minutes of, of the first episode. <laughs> Great. Over four months. <laughs> That's about. <laughs> but I want to say I remember, but I don't. I do remember like wintry scenes in that in that story, but they're in, in my head. So I don't know, actually. Well, there's a scene in this particular episode where they're like the walking dead people. Apparently, there's like someone who is not dead, but they're the dead, but the undead. But I don't even know who they are because I have no context. And there's a bunch of good guys that are being chased by these undead people. And the only way to get away from them is to step onto this ice. So they step onto the ice, and then all these undead people eventually surround them. And so the good guys start chopping the ice so that all the undead will fall into the ice, like all in this circle. But there happens to be like this one rock in the middle of the ice where they're all like standing on this island of rock, and there's like millions of undead around them. It's like, it's a bit unbelievable, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. It might have happened in Minnesota at some point in history. You never know. Yeah, I recently learned that the entire East Coast and most of where we are now, in fact, was underwater at one point. It was just one big giant glacier. Yeah. Minnesota is actually a hot spot for glacial studies because <laughs> there's something, there's a river valley here and it, it's like a, I think it's, there's a couple of gorges and a couple of areas where folks that study that kind of thing are interested in how deep and how fast these things were formed. But that's a whole other podcast. If you're a Randall Carlson fan, that's him. 
or I'm in the wrong show. Hold on. Let me look at my schedule. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is photo business help, but it's fine. I mean, this is photographers have other lives. We do. We we go ice fishing and your camera's really sharp. You must be a photographer. Oh. Is it? There's a lot of bokeh around it, but you're sharp. Oh, cool. Thanks. I just have a I splurged this year and I got a new camera and a new laptop and the new MacBook Pro with all of the bells and whistles, all the extra memory and all the extra all of it, all of it. And it's so fast and it's so amazing because it's just making my life so much easier. But they have a new camera setting. I'm going to try and find it here. So you're using the camera on your Mac book? Yeah, they have a like a new... Here, let me just see when I change that. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. And that's native in the... What you can't see listening is that the bokeh thing that you get in Zoom all the time, that blur background thing. It's now native in the software for Mac. Studio light. So it kind of darkens the background a little bit. So there's a couple little tricks that help because we're using Squadcast, which is a soft, like a Chrome-based software, and it doesn't have all those nifty Zoom bells and whistles that you get for your appearance. So thank you. It's nice to know that it's working because it's a new computer. Yeah, it looks great. Thanks. I'm using a webcam external just because I didn't like my... I have a MacBook, but it's a maybe three-year-old version, so I don't have all the fancy gizmos that you do. But my webcam is sharp. It might not have anything to do with it being a new computer. I think it's the latest, what is it? Sonoma is the latest iOS. It might be an iOS thing where it just messes with the actual camera. I have not upgraded so I probably or updated, so I probably should. I'm usually about three years behind schedule on the updates. <laughs> it's fine. There's too many. I still have an iPhone 6 or 8, just so you know what you're dealing with here. I uh, had my 8 until like a year ago, and now I only just have a 12. I'd like to go back to the flip phone. I got to be honest with you. If I didn't have most of my business running off of this little damn receptacle, I would just be old style Captain James T. Kirk flip phone. I am kind of old school that way because of my business. I probably got on social media and got an I like a smartphone. There's a lot of things I did because of my business that I probably would have been one of those like really late bloomers or if, if at all, like I would have just been in my garden or Same. yeah, cool. Well, let's talk about businessy stuff a little bit, maybe. All right, fine. I see you're wearing a Fusion Creative shirt. Tell me a little bit about... I mean, I, I know because I have notes, <laughs> but I want you to tell me. <laughs> what is it all about? So I own two businesses. I own Fusion Photography, which is a traditional photography studio. I've owned that. I've been doing that full-time since 2006. Actually, really longer than that, but I was only moonlighting. I did the nine to five, and then I would come home and I actually did an apprenticeship for my first few years and really kind of learned the craft of taking photos and selling photos really was the primary. Because I already knew how to take them. I didn't know how to sell them. I didn't realize I could make money in this business. And then then I quit my job in 2010. I went full-time fusion photography. And then that was just primarily a shooting. I was shooting at the peak probably 60, 70 weddings a year, engagements, boudoir, all the things. But I got burned out really fast on weddings just because you know, most photographers do, I think. But my real passion is in business. Like that's something I really love. I've owned it. I've launched a few other businesses and then sold them. So that's like my bread and butter is business. And so I, I really, over the last few years, I've really wanted to find a way to bridge that gap between creative and business. And so Fusion Creative was born. And we are a, for lack of a better word, we're a brand amplification agency. We help small businesses, entrepreneurs, with everything from content creation, because, you know, I'm a photographer, videography, but we also do the full suite of digital marketing from SEO to blogging to paid advertising to website dev, all the things. So that's what Fusion Creative is. Yeah. That's super cool. So you're in my boat. I quit my job as well in 2010 and went full time into the wedding world. And I think there, when I say boat, there was just a boat of us, like not a big boat, but just a boat that just got mental over weddings. We were like, we're going to do weddings. We're all wedding photographers. Let's go. Something happened with the shift of, and I've talked about this on the podcast, apologies, because I love bringing this up, but that advent of social media, which people can't believe actually didn't exist, you know, and was just coming out, but also the idea of like, oh, I can have a blog. I can have like, I can do this, like just with a camera and a computer and some business sense, I can do this. And it just exploded. And so whenever I talk to people that have been shooting in the same neighborhood of time as I have, it's always that we did like a bajillion weddings at some point, you know? I agree with exactly what you just said. Social media was definitely a 
player in that. But I also think this was a, a large factor for people to get into photography. And I think primarily from sort of an ass backwards way, because your phones take such nice photos, everybody suddenly became photographers overnight just because they took a couple of good selfies here and there. And they're like, wait, I, my friend thinks I take really good photos. So man, I'm going to go out and buy myself a really nice digital camera. And they started marketing themselves as photographers, even though they weren't photographers. So when I first started in Charlotte, there was really only a handful of wedding photographers. And when I say a handful, I came out in 06, there was probably like 10 of us. And there's probably 10,000 of us now. Yeah. And they literally run the gamut from like the gap between the best and the worst is probably the equivalent of the square miles around the planet. It's like massive. And I really attribute it mostly to this just because you suddenly like people have this context they can take good photos. I'm like, dude, you're not a photographer. Like you're just not a photographer. You can slap that label on that you're not. It's interesting. The cell phone thing is, or the smartphone thing rather, is a huge player in so many, like so many shifts in people's lives, not just photography. But I think one of the things I notice with the folks I coach and stuff or people that go through my program is that there's a number of skills along with being able to work your camera and take a photo that go along with having a, su a successful business that I think get kind of tossed aside, so to speak, when there's that beautiful excitement of like, I want to make photos, I want to take photos, I'm excited to be a photographer, I can't wait to do this. And I can remember that feeling myself of like, oh my gosh, a 50 millimeter 1.2 does that? What? You know, just getting like, blown away by like, just the possibilities and stuff. But then if you go too far down that road, and you don't learn all of the other things like interpersonal skills and business skills and numbers and all those other things, it just separates you very quickly, even if you're a decent, motivated photographer from the folks that are doing really well. You're spot on. I go by the old Pareto principle. It's 80-20. It's 80% everything else, 20% photography. And that's not to say that you're not you're only going to take 20% of your photos. I'm saying that your emphasis of your brand building, emphasis of your studio should be an 80-20 principle because 80% of everything you do is going to maximize that 20% of actually taking those photos. So you're spot on, spot on. Well, there's a thing that I was curious you mentioned in your in one of the things that like your stuff that you sent over to the team and stuff, but there's this idea of holistic band band, holistic brand building. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and why it's important? The term holistic is sort of a global picture of everything. And so from my perspective, your craft, what you do as a photographer, what you do as a business person, and what you sell to someone should be a, a solution that encompasses not just one piece of the puzzle. So when I take, you know, just as a photographer, since this is a photography podcast, you know, I think part of photography isn't just taking the photo. I mean, you've already touched on this a couple of times. It's building the relationship when you first engage with the customer. When they first call you, how do you respond in emails? How do you respond on the phone? How do you talk to them in their interactions? What's the engagement like? like? And everything, this holistic perspective begins from touch one all the way through. Because if you can achieve that holistic perspective, you're going to build these relationships and repeat customers. And then that's what happens. So you create this sort of wow with your clients because they're like, I, first of all, I had no idea it was going to be that much fun to take photos with you. But in every touch point we've had, everything was excellence from the delivery of the, and I'm not saying that my photos are always like better than anyone else's. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that let's just say I was an average photographer because everything else that we do is so is based upon an idea of a holistic excellence. I do truly believe that people would be willing to forgive some of your flaws in your quality of your imagery just because the experience was so fantastic. So, you know, my title is chief experience officer. So that's what I create around every single engagement I have with my clients is I want them to walk away and be like, holy shit, that was absolutely amazing across the board. And it's because of the holistic approach we take to everything from how we engage to how we photograph to how we produce to how we get the photographs back to them to every email to every phone call to literally everything and that's what we mean by holistic yeah totally that's that experience of a brand it's like the feeling that people get it's not necessarily just one piece of it and if you're listening and like just starting out i always think of folks that listen to this show that are just kind of learning the craft make every part of your business workflow stellar and you'll have a little grace in the quality and the the learning part from your clients if things are just top-notch because they'll I mean I'm positive when I think back 
And when I look back on some of my galleries and stuff from the early days, I'm positive it's because all of the other stuff was top notch. Like I was super on time with everything. I was very responsive. I was hopefully pretty fun in person and easy to get along with. And I, you know, everything at every touch point was, has always been something that I've put a lot of importance on. But I think that grace for my clients in the early days, probably like the return, the returning came from the whole experience of the brand. I mean, it's kind of like, I'm not sponsored by them, but I'll bring them up again. But it's kind of like Apple's a really good example of illustrating this idea. Like, yeah, you have dropped Apple a few times already. Are you sure? No, not sponsored, but I... You're not an, you're not an Apple influencer? <laughs> no. No, but I, it's a great... Because, like, not that, you know... I mean, it's a big corporation. There's definitely flaws. But in terms of experiencing a brand, like, if you already enjoy their products, like, I certainly enjoy them day-to-day and how they interface with each other. But then when you walk into the store, it's this whole other thing that you associate like, oh, it's bright in here and it's really clean and it's really easy to find everything. And people are, you know, like there's all these little pieces that go into the whole thing that make you go like, yeah, I guess I'll buy that again. You know? I think what a lot of, especially new businesses and new entrepreneurs and definitely photographers, I think people misunderstand that they're buying your product and they're not. People don't buy your product. They buy the emotion that your product gives them. So if you can somehow product wrap that which is the experience and touch on an emotion with your clients and sort of excel in that space they're going to be very forgiving and graceful if you're lacking in something else and really that's the space that i've always tried to operate in is like tell your story tell a story for your client tell their story connect with them build an emotional rapport touch on their emotional heartstrings and when you do that, that's when you forge these relationships and these repeat business and the people that really want to sing your praises and do testimonials. And like next time that they're out and someone sees their photo on the wall, like they're going to be like, oh my God, that's like totally Natalie did that photo for me. Like she's the coolest person ever. She's like really bubbly personality and she's like so energetic and all this. Like you've just got to call Natalie. Just everybody. And then everyone becomes your disciples, right? So that's how it works. That's exactly how it works. A thousand percent. It's, I mean, I don't know what to add to that other than it just is true. <laughs> But it's such an important thing to keep in mind, and it's it's certainly something that I think has grown my business through and through. Is just that consistency of brand experience. It's sort of like with teaching, or I've heard it related to comedy. I'm a huge comedy fan. It's like people aren't going to necessarily remember what you taught them or what you said, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. And that I think that applies to almost anything. It's just like that. Who's your favorite comedian? Oh my god, I do not have a favorite comedian, but I've seen Nate Bargatze twice now in the last year in person, and he's just so funny. I just saw Eddie Izzard last week. I met Frank Caliendo, who's like one of my. Fa- I follow him on Instagram. When YouTube first came out, Frank Caliendo was my first like YouTube thing I ever watched, and I told him this. I was like, "Okay, this is going to date me, and it's ridiculous, but you were like my favorite person on YouTube for like this was like 15 years ago." But he was such a sweetheart. It was a really fun show because I saw. I went to Acme, which is here in Minneapolis. It was a really small, intimate room. And so it was a lot of fun to just like hear him up close with not very many people in the room. It was really cool. But I don't have any cool stories like that. But when I I dropped out of college for a year and I lived in Tallahassee, Florida. Have you ever been to Tallahassee? I've been through Tallahassee. That was crazy times. (laughs) Just anywhere in Florida. (laughs) Like, wow, cool. (laughs) But I went and saw, I went to a comedy show. I actually took a girl that I had met to a show and I didn't realize it. it was a dude named you've heard of him Bernie Mac and we walk into the audience and we were the only white people in the entire show like literally the entire show we're the only white people and I sat we sat in this little area sort of relatively up front and you know Bernie Mac is one of my favorite comedians of all time and the dude started macking and making fun of us like for the first 15 minutes of the show, like just because we're the only white, he was like, you know, did you get lost this afternoon? <laughs> like, you know, are you trying to play a game? Like, like the whole, and I don't even know what he said, but I was like, love it. I was bright white red. And my partner that I was there with, she was just like, you could see her literally like squirming in her seat. I know. But it was fun. I love it. Yeah. It's so fun. That's the thing. It's, if you're going to go in a, like a small club or even a medium, like you just, I think have to be up for it. Well, I didn't know the constituency of the audience at the time, and I don't have an issue with it. I just was like, I did not know that I went to an all-black comedy club. (laughs) So it was kind of crazy. Tallahassee. That's so interesting. No, I love it. I've been a fan most of my life, which is really cool because it's becoming really popular and kind of mainstream now. And I told a story on Instagram recently that I even... like I've been a fan of comedy so long that I went by myself to see Bill Cosby before... This was 
obviously before I knew anything about the man or I wouldn't have gone, but like just some of those memories where I'm like, damn, that's an ancient memory. Whatever came of Bill Cosby, did he actually get in trouble for all the stuff that he was accused of? Was it true? I don't even know anymore. There's actually a, there's a good Netflix documentary that if you grew up with any of this stuff and you're interested, it's called, uh, we need to talk about Bill Cosby. And it, it goes into all of the, all of his early career. And then it goes into all of the sexual abuse and misconduct and then it goes into sort of his prison stuff and getting out and all that kind of stuff so i think he's pretty sure he's out but no one's very happy about that but he was in for a little while i mean that documentary does a great job of just presenting all of it but it's it's pretty horrific like again i wouldn't have bought that ticket if i i don't think anyone would have been there no one is going to see him anymore but i never know what to believe anymore when stuff like that comes out and i'm not saying that it's not true and i don't have an opinion on it just because I don't really pay much attention to media in and of itself. So I never know because things are always like from we're going way off tangent here, but like (laughs) photography, I always feel like (laughs) everything in the mainstream is just sort of pitting people against people so that people can be polarized on one side or the other on an opinion. And, you know, I really, it's just, I'm just never going to buy into any of it. So I don't even know anymore who's guilty and not guilty because it feels like people are set up, people are staged, people are doing horrible things and they're not caught. Like I just never know what to believe anymore. It's fair to feel that way. I think about most things. I will say I'm pretty sure I know how to feel about Bill Cosby, which is not very impressed. But I do totally share the sentiment of like, I don't have a real hard time with like stuff I just hear on a mainstream thread or paper or headline. I'm just like, okay, well, we're seeing like a fraction of what actually went on. And I'll just it's I'm the same. I think it's healthy to have skepticism and an open mind all at the same time yeah that's a great i like that not just what's going on but all the context that came before it to set this up in the first place like we know nothing like for literally we know nothing like literally nothing so it's crazy to me it's a great way to walk through the world i know nothing because it just makes the world magical you're like what <laughs> oh my god amazing you know and you mean i can walk yeah <laughs> i don't have to get in my car and go everywhere Sometimes I'm driving and I am like, I will have these little moments where I'm like, I was just driving to a photo shoot yesterday and I had to drive across town. And I was like, I'm like, I'm driving, like I'm going all the way across town real fast. And then I'm going to come home. And it was comfortable. And I got to listen to something fun. And, and like, this is my job. And this doesn't suck. You know, like it was just, even though it was traffic, I was like, this is great. (laughs) I'm always amazed. I love that thought. I'm always amazed that we're actually sitting in this little metal tank and we're moving across time and space. And I always like sort of feel like when I pull up next to people that I'm just like in this little vehicle microcosm all into myself and they're in their little vehicle microcosm and this person. It's just sort of a fascinating thing about that. We're we're literally stick sitting in this little box and we're zipping across someplace. It's just kind of like a, I don't know. It's just something fun to think about. Yeah, same. We'd get along. By the way, we never get anything done, though. We'd just sit here be talking about philosophical weird things. Yeah. Like, what do you think about people in their cars? <laughs> I don't know, man. So how long have you been doing this podcast? So, actually, thanks for asking. We're coming up on our 400th episode, like, in a couple of weeks. Man, so, girl, well done. Yeah. So it's been a while. Wow. So you've been doing this before people thought podcasting was cool, sort of like picking up a digital camera. Well, I will say this. I started a... Or do you podcast every single day? (laughs) I started a face project, which was my first podcast in April of 2013. So I've been podcasting for a long time. That's fantastic. You're one of the old pioneers. I'm like a weird pioneer. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I've been doing this for almost three and a half. Actually, we're in four years now. This will be our fourth year. So Tell me a little bit about your podcast. It's called A Little Impolite. It's actually, we're going through a rebranding. I'm going to be changing it, which I can't share with you just yet. But it's called A Little Impolite. And really, the whole space of the show is to bring people that are doing fantastic things around the planet. And there is no central topic. It's like, if you're doing something really cool, I want to hear about it and share it with people. And it's like you and I doing right now. We're just bantering. We go down rabbit holes. I've had people who've had near-death experiences. I had a water expert. I had a person on last week who consults and teaches people how to homestead and build their own farm so they can get off the grid. I had a BDSM dominatrix on a show a few weeks ago. Perfect. Yeah, like just crazy, crazy guests that are doing really cool shit. And I'm like, let's just share that with the world. So yeah, that's what I do. That's the best. People like that stuff. That's the kind of stuff I like too. Just getting to know people. Yeah, you should follow it and listen to it. Yeah, I will. Now that I know about it, send me the link. You might learn a thing or two. I know. 
face project a uh, face project was a lot like that too where i just interviewed all sorts of people and i'm i'm in the process of figuring out if i'm going to bring it back cuz i have a lot of interviews in the can and a lot of it was just same thing but first person so i took myself out of it it wasn't an interview it was just them saying i went to blah blah so i interviewed like someone that was shot in world war 2 that was wild so you just ask them questions and then you only bring out their responses in the show yeah it was very highly produced so as very different than this show like very NPR kind of. It's a lot of editing. Yeah. Hmm. Lots of music breaks and little transitions. Do you produce your own show? I did. I did back then. Right now? Right now, I don't know. Shout out to Fullcast, Fullcast Production, if you want to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They do all the amazing stuff that I don't feel like I need to do anymore. I did. I think it's important. I mean, back to the business thing, like when I, I've had different people, you know, different assistants and whatever you have a team as well as i noticed it's nice to kind of have done it yourself for like a minute just so you know what's going on though i think that's really helpful you have to yeah i don't think there's any successful entrepreneur on the planet that didn't once do everything themselves in the back of their garage or in their mom's minivan or something i mean jeff bezos amazon if you study his story apples what's the dude who used to run or started apple i never forget i always forget his name larry something no no he died colon cancer Oh, you're you're just talking like about the main dude. Yeah, the main cat who started Apple. What's his name? We should know this. You're an influencer. You should definitely know this. I know. It's right on. The, I can see his face. I can see his glasses. I can see his shoes. I can see his black turtleneck. Yeah, every one of those people were guerrilla marketers, were a Swiss Army knife, were a team of one. Steve Jobs. <laughs> Steve Jobs. You got it. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. keep saying it. <laughs> Sorry. Everyone listening is like, Steve Jobs! You know, when you're listening to something and someone just does what we just did it's annoying i'm kind of off center in the frame i don't know why oh, that's all right we're not recording video it's like a one-third <laughs> <laughs> it's a photography podcast so i know here's how you frame in a podcast i would love to hear from listeners sorry to interrupt our interview but if you're listening and you would like to see video or if you consume stuff on youtube please send me a note natalie at photobizhelp.com because i think i might start doing it here's your first feedback from one of your listeners highly recommend it <laughs> Yeah, for real. YouTube has been a big deal for us. Awesome. Yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that so many times that I'm like, I got I to gotta figure this out. I mean, it's pretty easy. You just take this and then like you do for your audio, you just convert it up. It's, it's really pretty easy. I'm going to do that. It means I have to like get dressed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, this is fine. Sweatshirt. Yeah, I don't think you have to get that dressed. I think the day of getting dressed up for everything are over. People really want to see authenticity and genuineness. And like, they sort of like emotionally can connect with you because, Hey, I like to wear my hoodie and stuff like that stuff too. And it's really like, if you sucked and your voice sucked and you had a really horrible show, like people would turn off, but your audio is good. You have a good visual interface. Your voice is good. You have a nice demeanor. You're very charismatic. Yada, yada, yada. Like people are very forgiving in that space of like how you look. Yeah. Unless you go to a bank of America event, like I did the other night and it's like, the wealthiest people in the world were at this event. And I was like, <laughs> were you photographing? Yeah. Ooh, tell me about this event. How did this go? What was your photo experience? It's one of their shareholders annual meetings and they bring in all the big dogs from around the world. And this was in Charlotte. Yeah. Cause bank of America has a huge operations center here. I think it's the second largest outside of New York city or Chicago. I forget. Yeah. So anyhow, that's what it was. And I was just... Do you bring a team or is it just you or what's it look like on the photo end? It was a, it was two of us. Yes. And just really just canvassing the hood. Just really just telling the... the, the they, they just wanted content so that they could use it for whatever they do with social media, whatever they do. So yeah, pretty cool. But everyone there was like the top of the top in Bank of America type of thing. So you kind of have to get dressed up for that. I did not go into a hoodie. Did you wear a suit? Just a sweat uh, button down. Just, you know, look nice. I wore a vest. I, I'm a vest, dude. Yeah. A waistcoat. I don't even know what that is. Is that a waist? It's a vest. It's just like a British version of a wa of a vest. It's a waistcoat. Oh, really? Yeah. What's the name of the show? The Speaking of the British, I'm horrible at names because I don't watch a lot of TV, but they were like British gangsters back in the day. It's a big show right now. I don't watch a lot of, clearly I don't, Peaky Blinders? Peaky, that's it. I love how they dress. Look at this. I'm coming up. My brain's just like a couple seconds. It's like. Chugga, 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 chugga. <laughs> yeah. I love how the dudes dress. Actually, I love how all of I think that was like the 1920s. Three-piece suits. Mm, yeah, but they fun. wore vests. Vests are sharp, yeah. man. I love me that's a good the vest. third piece. Yeah. I love vests. I think I have like 20 or 30 vests. I just There's a really cool store in town 
that sells like vintage clothes. It's like from the yesteryear. And I was going there and I was. Is it like, it's not like a haberdashery though. No, it's like he just collects really cool vintage clothes and hats and boots and shoes and stuff. And every time I go over there, I find the coolest vests and I'm like, I'm walking home with this one. That's cool. Yeah. I love that. Vests and shoes. I'm a shoe collector. Right on. Which is ironic because I'm mostly barefoot. (laughs) I'm barefoot right now. (laughs) Are you? I have slippers on because I'm in Minnesota. So slipper time. It's kind of chilly. It's not like cold yet, but it's in the 50s, which, you know, it's cold enough. What's your favorite thing to photograph? Like if you could only shoot one thing for the rest of forever, what would you choose? Anything where I get to spend one-on-one time with the client and really peel back the covers and just ah, I love that. Really just get to know who they are and my excellence, if I have any one thing I had to say is I'm very intuitive and I connect really well with people and it doesn't matter who they are, I can connect with anybody. So anywhere, anytime where I just get the opportunity to so I do a lot of lifestyle photography. I do a lot of uh, personal brand work. So anything in the personal brand, one-on-one capacity where I just get to spend six, four, five, six hours with you, Natalie, and just we bounce. We get in the car. We just bounce. We hit the, just go wherever. We have lunch. We'll have a beer, like whatever. And then throughout that process, we just become fast friends. And, and I'm your paparazzi. I just get to tell your story. So anything in that space, I don't really have, like that could be an engagement session. That can be a personal brand. That can be. Literally, I, I shoot a lot of boudoir for whatever reason. I don't advertise it, but I do I'm shoot a decent amount of boudoir. And I find boudoir, as a man, you'll appreciate this, it's not for the reasons you would think, because not everybody is a supermodel. I just really love enabling people to see how I see them in that moment. And then when you give them their photos, this is probably my ego talking, but like the tears and the, the goosebumps and like all the, the stuff where the people are like, holy shit, I really am pretty fucking hot. Like, that's pretty cool to me to be able to say that I delivered this to you and you got to cherish that moment and see, because for whatever reason, I shoot a lot of divorcees. I'm not really sure what that means, but I shoot a lot of divorcees who are sort of like trying to recover and rebound. And so when I give them their book or their album or their photos, and they get to sort of see themselves in a light that they have not been told or seen themselves in so many years. Like it's kind of a empowering thing for me. Yeah. Empowering people is great. I feel like I've had that happen a few times with my branding work where I've had people say like, I never, like I feel more confident building this business or making this offer or whatever. Now that I see myself the way you see me, like, it's like this, it's such a great, I keep a folder of all these emails, but it's really cool to know that an image, just a professional image can really empower someone so much no matter what genre it is but i suspect that's why you got into photography in the first place to some extent if, if, if that's what you're passionate about being able to take those moments for people and freeze them for posterity and then they have that for the rest of their life and you were responsible for that like that's not only a gift but a pretty honorable thing to be able to do so that now somebody is taking this piece it's like a time machine that you're handing them that you created for them, that you crafted for them with all of your TLC and passion and spirit and everything that you did, and you hand that to them, and they get to take that, and they get to carry that with them and freeze that little tiny moment in time for the rest of their life. And I think that that is one of the coolest things you could possibly be, have a gift to be able to, to be on. It's very cool. It reminded me of an interview I had not too long ago with Krista Reed, a friend of mine, local photographer, but she said something, I'm going to mess this up, but she said something along the lines of like, I don't like thinking of it as taking photos for people. I like thinking of it as giving photos to people. And she's like, just that, that mindset shift is actually really powerful. And I was like, ooh, I love that. It's really nice. Yeah, you're creating something. You're crafting and creating something. Yeah. You're creating an experience. That's right. Back to that again. And again, with the connecting with people thing. I mean, we met two minutes ago. So, but I feel like the ability, people might think like, oh, they might have met before, had like a long chat off air or like we've never seen each other in the world ever as far as i know and i think that maybe in a former life possibly maybe we're ice fishers together (laughs) oh the ice fishing we brought it full circle how did we do that we brought it back to ice fishing that's really good it's the holistic podcast well it's a great way to start wrapping it up but i mean it is we have to end already this is too much fun i know it's fun damn your 30 minute window we'll do it again and we'll talk a little bit more about brand strategy next time all right maybe you have to come on my show next i'd love to all right what's your superpower probably connecting with people i I read tarot and that's a big part of my coaching program so i like that part 
That's fantastic. We should dive into that. You could read me on the air. Never done that before. I Let me think about it. Okay. Well, you don't have to then. I want you to be comfortable. You might know her. Do you know Anami Tonkin? She's also in the Carolinas. No, I don't think so. But she's got like a big, this can't be that hard. Awesome educational business for photographers. Check it out, all of you. She's amazing. Tell me her name. Anami Tonkin. I think she spells it A-N-N-E-M-I-E, Anami. It looks different than it's, it's a, but this can't be that hard is her thing. And she, so I did a reading for her kind of off air, and then we talked about it on her podcast. And that worked really well because she was able to sort of feel like she could digest it and actually talk about it honestly. And she was like, I'm really allergic to woo. So this might be, you know, and then she was like, this is great. So yeah, she had me on her show. She was gracious enough to invite me to one of her events to be a reader. So she's like, I know you're a photographer and you might want to do photography stuff, but would you want to come out and do readings? And it was awesome. It's great. That's cool. I have a guest coming on in a few weeks. She does human design. Yeah. I had a human design coach for a minute. Really? Yeah. I like, I'm interested in all of it. Like I, you know, ayahuasca, whatever. I've done all of the, I'm just interested. I'm like, okay, let's check this out. I'll try it. You know? So you have a photography business, you have a podcast, you're an educator. You also train pets for the circus. What else do you do? How did you know about the circus? <laughs> I know everything. I'm an intuitive. <laughs> no, that, I mean, I I am working on, because I enjoy the tarot stuff a lot, I'm working on kind of offering that to, I offer that to everyone. It started out that I was offering it in the beginning of my photography coaching program, and it was awesome. And now I'm trying to work on bringing that and some other training stuff I'm doing, you know, all the stuff. How does that play into your connecting with people? Should we just, we'll interview me now. <laughs> I mean, a podcast for me is a conversation between two people who are interested in curious. No, no, I agree. How does it play? I don't think it should be. I never bring anybody on and be like, I was on a podcast last week. Natalie, true story. I know you have to go and you're trying to get rid of me, but it was, it was literally this. So your name is Debo and you, you. Oh, oh, you also, own, you're, you're an entrepreneur. Okay, cool. So tell me, what's it like to be an entrepreneur? And I was like, and then, the, and I would answer it. And then the next question, from a scale of one to 10, I was like, and I was like, I literally stopped him and I said, hey man, I have a proposition. I'm not trying to tell you to run your show, but how about we just lose the questions and let's just have a conversation about all things in life. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, man, let's just have a conversation and let's just see what where it goes. And I totally commandeered his show, which I feel like a dick for doing, but it was either that or I'm not going to continue the show because I don't really want to sit here and be interviewed in a question style and you're not even going to listen to anything I'm saying. No, I don't plan out my questions. Does that sound like a dick move? Because I don't really want to. So. Well, I think it's just it's hard to be engaged and like a good guest if you're not feeling connected to somebody. You know, that's even like if I think I mean, I don't know the answer for sure, but I think it's good to have said something if you had more fun. What's the name of your photography Instagram feed. I don't have it. I don't know that I've even seen it. At PhotoBizHelp and at Jennings Photo. That's where I am. What did you ask me about the tarot thing? Because it was an interesting question. And I was like, why are you asking me? <laughs> well, well, there's an obvious interplay to me between being able to understand people's through their tarot, through their, you know, as an intuit, because that's sort of what you are, an empathic intuit. That's kind of what you're doing. So how does that play off into when you're taking photos with somebody and you connect with them and engage with them and you sort of almost know a lot more about them than they might know about themselves. I don't know if it's knowing more about them, but I certainly feel like I can read when people are really stressed out at a shoot or when they're feeling really insecure or when they're like getting kind of tired or I feel like I think it's just a muscle we all have to be able to read people and to be able to like really but we don't use it we don't all use it no and i think when you start using it and then when you start using it more and more and more you it really gets quite clear like you can walk into a room and you're like well they seem bothered and they seem happy and they, you know i mean you can without even talking to people but i think it helps just to be able to read people in general in this business because people are insecure in front of the camera. I've been doing a lot of dating app photos, which has been so fun. It's been really fun. But I mean, it's awkward for people like that's their language. They're like, this is so awkward. And I'm like, don't worry, it's gonna be fun. You know, that's what my personal brand stuff is. I do a lot of dating stuff for people. It's fun. It's super fun. I have a little hack that I've been able to increase my business for. Would you like me to share it with yeah, you? Yeah, sure. Maybe, you already, maybe you already do it. I actually help them write their dating profile. Oh, cool. 
as I'm a really good writer. That's cool. Yeah. So here's a little, t- that's a little hack you could do and you implement into your business. I actually, that's part of an add-on service I do with them. So I take their, I tell their story through my lens and then I take their dating profile and I rewrite it for them so that dudes aren't such dingleberries when they show up on dating apps. Interesting. Cause all of my clients so far have been gentlemen. Dudes don't know shit. <laughs> most of the time. I'll let you say that. Not me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I read a profile. I'm like, come on, man. Who are you trying to attract? A chimpanzee? Like, I will say I've had a lot of feedback already. If we are going to go into like sort of the male-female dynamic, I think it is helpful that my perspective is interjected in these photo shoots because a lot of times I'll be- 100%. You know what would be really cool is why don't we get your dog in here? Because I would love to see that photo, you know? And I think that that, not that I'm like in the, you know, I'm I have a partner and stuff, but it's like- I think just the perspective of like what I would go for is also helpful. It makes the collection a little bit more interesting than what they probably have in their head. 100%. You should fly down to Charlotte and photograph me. Okay. I'm just saying it might be a good photo shoot. It's hard to find people who get shit and understand it. Like for me, because I, I personally believe that you should not hire me if you, and I will tell clients this, don't hire me if you find me, my personality to be abrasive or obnoxious or whatever, because you're not going to have fun during the photo shoot, no matter how fucking good I am. Like, I want you to be able to connect with me. I want you to have fun with me. I want you to take me home and introduce you to your mom, if that would be the situation. I don't want you to be like, I'm so bored with these photos. I like want this to be over with. This guy's really annoying. Like, just don't book me if you find, and that's why no, I will not take on any photo shoot until I have a chance to talk to them on the phone or in a Zoom or in person. And you have to meet me first. You have to see my energy. Like, is there going to be a vibrational connection there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's that That's that connecting with people thing. That's such a big part of it. I want to do a whole episode. I want to do many episodes on like the importance of that skill in this industry. Because I think it actually might be as important as your photo quality. I'm going to write a blog post on it this week to ins- just to be inspired by you. How about that? Because I have to get my blog out today. Cool. Send it over. I'll share it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I do have to wrap up, but one thing I love to ask people, this is the only sort of canned thing that I do because it's fun and I learn a lot from it. I have post-its from people like from past guests. What is one thing that just something that pops in like, like a quote, a sort of thing that motivates you, a thing that like, that really helps you just like in life, in business, everyone sort of has these little anecdotes or quotes or. Under promise over deliver. Yeah, there it is. It's one of my favorites. Do what you say. Say what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm really, 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 really big on following through on what you've committed to. And as business owners, as photographers, as you know, just to not to recap that honor and privilege that I was speaking of earlier, but you know, we have a privilege bestowed upon us then and an honor that they're asking us to do something for them. And they're giving us money as as a resource exchange. And if I don't respect that and show up with everything I have to give, then for me, I'm dishonoring that obligation. And so for me, it's always, you know, like flakiness is one of my most hated attributes of people. Like, don't flake, man. If you're going to do something, I have two kids. I'm like, if you tell someone you're going to do something, come hell or high water, you better do that and follow through. Or you better have a really good excuse that you can't and make and let them know. Like, don't just walk away from without letting anybody know. Like, you can see I have some PTSD and trauma around this from early childhood days. I suspect I should probably speak to a therapist. No, but I mean, that's a great one. And I, I'd love to end it on the under promise over deliver. So in any way that you can, you know, sometimes it's giving a few extra images. Sometimes it's just, you know, it can be so many different things. Like, but that feeling, it goes back to the feeling of the experience of your brand. If someone walks away going, oh my gosh, and they were so awesome. They did this too or whatever you know and it doesn't have to be costly to you it just can be extra for them you know and that that's that's a big one for me too so you get it yeah well thank you so much Devo this was way more fun than I've had in a while on this podcast it's great great to just chat 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 yeah well I appreciate that it has been fun it's, it's really nice to get to know you I'm honored by there's a lot of negativity around social media and all the things because there's just so much negativity in that space. But I'm a firm believer that if you approach it from a different mindset and use it with conscious, conscientious objectives in terms of like really showing up and using it to share your message and do good in the world. I'm not trying to sound cliche, but like never in the history of the, our planet that we know of, have we had a chance to speak to seven and a half billion people for free. And like you and I would have never met had we not had this platform or had we not have social media or, you know, all the people that are doing all the things. And so it's a great, it's a, 
it's just for me it's like every day it's like this is fucking cool i get to show up and talk to cool people like jesus christ how, how can you have anything else bad to say i know well and we should just and that should be that complete <laughs> so thank you for having me on i appreciate it yeah thank you so much for coming on so are you one of those folks that say, "Ugh, I'm not blogging in my business because it takes so long and I don't know what to say and it's hard to choose photos and it's just a long process and I know I should do it, but I don't. Well, I've been there before, but one of the things that completely changed this game for me is when PickTime rolled out their blog feature early spring in February 2023. It not only allows you to create super, super beautiful blog posts, but you can do it so, so, so fast working with galleries that you've already uploaded for clients. So there isn't any doubling down on anything. And now they've added AI to this process as well. So you may have your feelings about AI, but if you're one of those people that's like, ugh, I don't know what to say, then let AI write something for you. And then you can add your own little voice and flair to it after it's done. It's a way to get things started. It's a way to help you get past that resistance of trying to get a blog post out or maybe multiple blog posts out. It's just one more feature in PickTime's bajillion amazing features that I think is fabulous. So if you're on the fence about trying PickTime, they are offering you one month free when you upgrade to a paid plan. So you can just try it. And if you find that you don't like any of these awesome features that I always talk about, you can cancel. If you go to pick-time.com, P-I-C-T-I-M-E.com and use the code PHOTOBIZHELP, you get that one month free when you upgrade to a paid plan. So that's pick-time.com, use the code PHOTOBIZHELP and try that one month free and get going on your blog because yes, it's still a relevant thing and it's something that's useful in growing your photo business. Hey photographers, tired of staring at a blank screen when writing emails? 17 Hats has introduced a game-changing AI email writing feature called Hattie. Now, with just the click of a button, you can create polished professional emails. So whether you're responding to leads or building templates, Hattie will elevate your communication game with the power of AI. It's just one more way 17 Hats helps you manage your business better. So go try 17 Hats for seven days for free and use code PHOTOBIZHELP for 50% off your first year. That's up to a $300 savings. Check it out at 17hats.com. Use code PHOTOBIZHELP. 